I'm going to go with you this, this morning or invite you to go with me, I should say. I hope you come with me. If you don't, it's going to be a long Sunday morning. But go with me into the Word, to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. I almost hesitated to take my text from this passage, but it spoke so powerfully to me concerning some things that I have felt this week. And I believe that it has a very powerful message for you and I today. I'm going to read from the first verse, Joshua chapter 7, or chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, verse number 1. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command, it, command you them, saying, Take you hence from out of the midst of Jordan. And notice where they were told to go. Out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm. That's where I want you to get the stones. Twelve stones and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you. One translation of that word, that this may be a memorial among you. That when your children ask, and it is interesting that in the original text, the word that is not in the scripture. It is added for continuity of our thought, but the original verse says, when your children ask. Not if they're going to ask. They're going to ask. Now, they're not always going to ask you with words. Sometimes they're going to ask you with their actions if this means anything to you. They're going to ask their fathers in time to come saying, notice the question, what mean ye by these stones? A more modern translation puts it like this. What do these stones mean to you. Because here's the point. If they ever lose their meaning to you, they will mean nothing to the next generation. If they ever lose their significance in your life, then it doesn't matter what you say The damage is already done. So what do these stones mean to 
you. What do they mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Underline for ever. And the children of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And notice verse 9 and I finish. And Joshua, Joshua did this. Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in that lowest, muddiest, darkest part. Joshua built himself a memorial where the feet of the priest which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood and they are there unto this day. By the help of the Lord, I would like to pose that question to you this morning as my title. Does it mean anything to you? Amen. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. And it's, it is grieving to an older person as I am at the fact that for so many Memorial Day has lost its significance. It is an American holiday, I do understand that. And for many people it's the beginning of the summer season. School is out and kids can have a few months break. And the sad tragedy is though that far too many people do not know why there is a holiday that is celebrated tomorrow. Fox News did several interviews, and I don't have time to pull them up, but they found out that a large segment of their interview uh, audience could not give them the real reason why we have a Memorial Day holiday. And I believe the cartoon that they're going to put up before you probably would best describe what we're dealing with. The young girl said, or young boy said, what's the big deal about Memorial Day, Daddy? And Daddy said, we're standing on it, sweetie. And underneath are the graves of people that have given their lives for our country through the years and the many conflicts that America has been caught up in. It began as Decoration Day. It was uh, something that came into being after the Civil War, a war that claimed more casualties than any other conflict that America has ever been involved in. 
A war that in itself required national cemeteries to be erected and constructed so that they could house the many deaths, many that had died. Communities would come together after the Civil War to pay tribute to those that had given their lives for the freedoms that they were enjoying. And though it begun as a remembrance of those that had fallen in the Civil War over time, it has evolved to be a day in which we commemorate all of those who have died in the service of our country. The reason that the holiday exists was to begin giving honor to those who had sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice and that was their life and the fact that we owe a deep debt of gratitude to those people. Time has a way of erasing their memory. But on a day like tomorrow, there's an opportunity to stop and pause And there is actually 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, a moment of silence that is recognized all across our country, though we may be too busy with our own plans to observe it. But it is that moment of recognition that somebody paid a price that we must never take for granted, that we must never look at lightly. And I guess it would not have stirred me so deeply if I had not heard and seen a tweet by one of our leaders of the nation over the last week. And their comment on Twitter was, we hope that you enjoy a long weekend. Memorial Day has been reduced to a long weekend in some people's minds because they have forgotten what that day is really all about. And the sad fact is that fewer and fewer people really know why we have a holiday at the end of May and for what reason it is there. And I fear that at the current rate, And with the present cancel culture in which we are living, I would not be surprised if they in themselves do not take aim at some of these times that are set aside for honoring to try to cancel them. But hear me today as your pastor. There are some things that we cannot have canceled from our life. And one of them is a deep appreciation. As imperfect as our country may be, it is still the land of the free and I hope that it is still the home of the brave and we better never take that for granted. I understand that our country is in a mess today. And I'm going to tell you that the reason we're in a mess today is because of what I read to you from Scripture. Our country must recognize the the importance of not forgetting certain things, the cost of lives and the sacrifice. 
And when I began to consider that this week, my mind was drawn back to this book of Joshua. And I know that it's been preached from multiple times. I've done it myself, but bear with me and go with me one more time. It bears repeating. Please listen to me carefully. Israel stood at the door of the promised land and years of wandering were now over for them and they were on the verge of entrance into a promised land that God had declared to them flowed with milk and honey. There was an angry, boiling, raging river that stood between them and that promise. But God did what He had done for 40 years. He made a way for them to get through. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God that knows how to make a way to help you get through whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be going through right now? That's not my message, but that's a great message to remember that God will make a way and He will be there when I need Him. And He made a way for them to pass over to that land of promise and enter into this wonderful opportunity. And he did so by causing the waters of Jordan to stop some 20-something miles upriver. He just stopped the flow of it. I, I don't know if it was his hand that put a, a halt to it, but the Bible said, if you read it, that the waters built up at, a, uh, at Adam, the city Adam. And it was approximately 20 miles upstream where this began to happen and the waters began to cease below and soon there was no water flowing and it was dry and they could go across on dry land and so the priest was given instruction that you go first and bear the ark of the covenant and they went down and they stood in the midst of that Jordan River with uh, that dried up Jordan River I should say with the Ark of the Covenant, and they planted their feet firmly in that deep, darkest part of the Jordan. And then the children of Israel began to pass before them. And when it was all concluded, the instructions of the Lord was for them to go back to that place where the priests were standing firm and take out rocks, stones, and bring them with you and make a memorial Make a heap of stones that will be a point of remembrance for your future life. And the God that caused those waters to stop was going to be the God that they were going to need throughout their journey in this promised land. And God was going to be with them. But they needed reminders of just what all God is really capable of doing. And out of that setting, He commands them to gather these stones and they will be as a memorial. They will be a sign. In time to come, your children are going to ask, what do these stones mean to you? Not what do they mean, but what do they mean to you? It's important. You you have to understand the difference because many times we have preached what do these stones mean and we've tried to give meaning to the stones. But the stones will never have meaning in themselves until they have meaning in you. 
And so it doesn't matter what they look like. There was nothing beautiful about it. It was just a pile of rocks, a heap of rocks, perhaps in a pyramid form. I don't know. But they found a way to stack those stones up and make a memorial so that in time to come, their children were going to need to know some things. They were going to have to have some questions answered. They were... They, 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 they were going to need to know something about this God that had helped them get through a wilderness and come into a promised land and how they got over that Jordan River at harvest time when the river was at flood stage and it was out of its banks and it was rough and tumbling and yet God got them through. God made a way. They're going to need to know this. They're going to need to understand that God knows how to make a way in the wilderness and he can provide you a table in the wilderness and he can prepare a table before your enemies if need be that God knows how to take care of his people. And so when your children ask you what do these stones mean to you that you can answer them. You can give them an answer for the hope that you have within you. And you will tell them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before you. The ark of the Lord stood there with the priest in the middle of the river and God allowed us to pass through and we went through on dry ground. It was miraculous. It was sovereign. There was nothing elegant or elaborate meant because you know what we have a way of doing? We have a way of worshiping the wrong thing. If it had been elaborate and some kind of monstrosity of a, of a construction of stones, then they would have made it a holy site and a worshipful place. Instead, it was to be a reminder that when you come by this river and you see this stack of stones, as ugly as it may seem, just let them be a reminder. Let them make you turn to your children and say, Hey, did I tell you about when we got into this? Did I tell you how I got where I am today. There are some people that need to know how you got where you are right now. How did you navigate these years of trouble and strife and turmoil? How have you gone through all you've gone through and you're still standing and you're still worshiping and you still want to sing and you still want to come to the... How did you get where you are today? Somebody's going to want to know how you got here. And so he said, you're going, to hate, you're going to need to tell them how you got here. What was the faith that kept you through all of that? What was the strength that you leaned upon when you felt weak in yourself? What was the courage that you garnered in, in those moments when you were facing impossible situation? How did you get through these trials and tribulations and troubles? How did you deal with these temptations? And how, You know what? Some of our younger people don't think any of you older people have ever been tempted in your life because you're such a holy statue right now that they can't see that you've ever been through any troubled water. And the only way they're going to know you've been through troubled water is for you to open up your mouth and tell them, hey, I know something of heartache. I know something of trouble. And let me tell you how I got through it. I got through it because God was with me and God helped me get through it. God wants an evidence that remains that is a reminder 
Is there any evidence that remains that's a reminder of what all God's done in your life? You can write that one down. Is there any evidence in your life that's a reminder God can do anything? God can make a way where there is no way. God can provide even in the wilderness. God can take care of you when you don't even know how to take care of yourself. God is with you even when you're not aware that he's with you. They will need to know what has helped you in your testing hour. What has helped you? What was the secret spring that kept your faith alive in the midst of your most severe trial? What helped you hold on when everything was trying to tear you away from that which you held on to? Blessed are the children who hear from the lips of their parents the story of God's grace in your life Because if it ever loses meaning in your life, it will have no significance in their life. If I ever quit telling what God has done for me and how God has brought me through, then I will not be an influence on those that are coming up under. You want to know how to influence your grandchildren? Open your mouth and testify to the goodness and the strength and the keeping power of the Almighty God. Amen. Blessed are the children who hear from the lips of their parents the story of God's mercies in the day of their struggles and in the midst of their stress. These stones were taken from the deepest, darkest part of the river. The Jordan River is a very muddy river, very turbulent. It's not the clear crystal creek that you see up in the Rocky Mountains, but it's like the old Red River. It's like the Brazos River. I don't know that I've ever seen it clear enough you could see the bottom. And that's the way the Jordan was all the time. And God said, I want you to take some things out of those deepest, darkest places you've ever been in your life. And I want you to build a memorial because somebody's going to come along after you that's going to need to know how do I get through this kind of trouble? How do I get through this kind of heartache? How do I navigate this kind of disaster in my life? These stones were taken from that place. And they need to know that in the darkest days of your life, somebody stood with you and somebody held your hand and helped you get through. You can help put meaning into their life if you will never forget that you have something to say. You will help put meaning in their life about sorrows and struggles and things that baffle and bewilder, and things that hinder, if you never forget what those stones mean to you. Amen. What do they mean to you? There was a reason for God to give them these instructions. Because the greatest threat, listen to me, this is the crux of my message. If you miss this, you're going to miss everything. 
the greatest threat to Israel's future was not in the Philistines or the enemies that they were going to encounter when they came into that promised land. The greatest threat to their future was not going to be the many adversities that they would encounter along the way, the setbacks that would be part of their endeavor to accomplish something for God. The promises. Do you understand? I think you most, most of you understand that the promises of God are not a one-way street with all green lights. Did you get that? You just put on the gas and you just go right through all these problems. Life's not like that. Life's up and down. It's a hill and a valley. It's a problem and a trouble. And, but you've got to keep going. You, gotta, you get bumped around. You get knocked this way. But you keep moving in the right direction. You don't live cancer free. You don't live heart problem free. You don't live diabetic free. You don't live whatever else free. We've got all kind of adversity. But there's got to be something that sustains you even when life pushes you and nudges you and drives you this way and that. There's got to be something that sustains you. And God understood what Israel could not seem to grasp is that their greatest enemy was not going to be in that land. That greatest enemy was going to be right here. Because if this land can take away my testimony, if it can take away my witness, it has taken away my effectiveness to influence the next generation. If he can silence my praise... If he can silence my testimony, if he can convince me that what I have to say about doesn't make any difference, that my story is just like everybody, no, my story isn't like everybody else's story. There's something unique about every story in this building. And if I had time to go through all of them, you would understand just how powerful the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God is that we are not here by ourselves. We're not here by accident. We made it because a hand was on us. We made it because a faith was in us. We he made us because we never quit testifying to the goodness and the mercy. We made it because we never gave up on our faith. And the greatest detriment to our life right now is not what could happen from a cancel culture. It is not anything that can happen from without us. The greatest threat to the world today, listen to me, I'm going to get on your nerve right now. It's not even the progressive party, the mob that we seem to be obsessed with. And that's all that you hear about on the news. You know how to stop that? Quit quoting them. Quit putting any news about it. Hey, there's a way to silence that nonsense. Quit feeding that stupid fire. Because stupid only produces more stupid. But I got something to tell you this morning. The mob is not my problem. AOC and NBC and CBS and CNN are not my problem. 
My problem is if I ever let life take away my testimony. If I ever let life take away my word. If I ever let life silence my voice. If I ever let something happen that steals my faith. That causes me to sit down and give up. Causes me to turn my back and walk away. The greater damage is not done by a cancel culture. The greatest damage is done by people whose faith has died on them. The greatest danger to the church in the future is a lethargic faith. A faith that doesn't matter. This, all this stuff you guys do around here, it's just, it's unnecessary. Yeah, he is a liar. It is necessary. But our culture is trying to convince us that our story doesn't matter. And this is the danger. When the story quits mattering to you, it quits mattering to everybody else that needs to hear that story. When it loses its significance to you, when it doesn't matter to you any longer, or I'm preaching to somebody, when you get to the place in your life where it doesn't make a difference, we're all in this together, we're all going to heaven. In a great love boat. (laughs) Folks, I got news for you. Faith separates you. It separates you from something. Grace separates you from something. Mercy separates you from something. Mercy sets you apart. Grace sets you apart. Your faith sets you apart. And the greatest trouble that they would find would not be in what would be encountered but what they would struggle with within it's not the cancel culture it's not the progressive agenda it's not the greed that grips our nation it's not the hatred that enslaves us in our world right now it is the silence testimony to the power and the grace and the mercy and the goodness and the love of God if God can be my help right now. I want to I drill down right now. There's some people in this building right now that your faith is languid. Your faith is so limp it doesn't even know how to stand up on its own anymore. Somebody's got to prop you up. I'm telling you, that's what the devil wants. He wants a languid, limp faith that doesn't make any difference. I'm telling you that the apostolic New Testament church had a faith that made a difference. They walked into a city and said, hey, we've got some good news to share with you. We've got something we want to tell you about God. He can deliver you from the idol. He can deliver you from the immorality. He can set you free from your hatred. He can deliver you from your bondage. What the devil is hoping for this morning is that some of you will quit telling your story. Because if he can silence your witness, all it takes is a generation. And they knew not Joseph nor the God that Joseph served. Now how could that happen? How did that happen? They didn't know Joshua, I should say, not Joseph. They didn't know Joshua, 
nor the God that he served. How could that happen? It happened because of the silence that's in this building. I'm not accusing you of silence, but it's just when people don't lift up their voice, say, oh, no, no, no. The reason we're here, because God forgave me. I'm say, you just don't know where I was. I, I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I, I was addicted to this problem. I was addicted to that problem. I hated I had greed. I was full of all kinds of immoral ideas and thoughts. And yet I found something at an altar. I found repentance and I found peace and I found forgiveness and I found mercy and I found grace. I found the meaning to live. I didn't have to go from Jack Daniels to Jack Daniels. I didn't need another Bud Light. I found the real light. Uh, yeah. And if he can silence my testimony if he can get you to stop telling your story and that's what happens to a world and a culture when we forget what we're here for that's why I'm concerned about our country right now because we're letting a minority of people silence the majority of people amen somebody needs to stand up somebody needs to let their voice be heard how do you keep faith alive in a time like this? You keep talking about faith. You keep living that faith. You keep singing about that faith. You keep praising that faith. How do you put meaning into your sorrows? You get back up after you get knocked down and you go on. How do you make meaning into your setbacks? You find a way to get back on your feet and you get back up and you go again. Young man preached for us years ago. I don't know if some of you remember this, but he was a cowboy. And uh, he, he told about getting bucked off of a horse. And it was such a shock to him. And it, it happened so fast that when it bucked him off, it threw him. And when he landed, it literally knocked the breath out of him. I mean, he just... <gasps> and he's describing it. He said... I'm laying there and I'm, I'm trying to, and in my mind I'm thinking, I've got to get up. I've got to get back up. I, 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 can't, I can't lay. I've I got to get back up. And, and, and in this moment of clarity, he realized, if I can just roll over and get on my knees. And he said, he said, I was able even gasping, trying to get my breath. I was able to roll over. And when I got on my knees, I found out that I could get back up. And the truth is, life's going to do that to us at times. But we've got to have a faith that knows how to get back up. We've got to have a testimony that knows how to live through the worst storm. We've got to have a voice that cannot be silenced because if it ever stops having meaning in your life, it won't mean anything to your children or your grandchildren's life. So you better tell them. We better tell them. We better remind them. There's a reason we do all this around here. 
It's not just a bunch of crazy, loony folks who just get together and like to scream and jump. And it, there, there's something about the presence. This is not about the music. This is about entering into the presence of the Lord. The music only helps us move into that arena. And, and we do it a lot more fluidly and easily when we have music and singing. But it doesn't matter. That's just a vehicle. But the reason we're here is to move into the presence of the Lord. Because in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. In the presence of the Lord, there's healing. And, and in the presence of the Lord, there's joy. And there's forgiveness. And there's mercy. And so we have to keep telling them because if not, then it will not be long until there will be no meaning to them because it has lost its meaning to us. I want to tell you how to become an influence in your world right now. Go back and get reacquainted with why those stones are there. Remind yourself of what God some of us have been clean so long we've forgotten how dirty we were when God put us out, pulled us out of. Do, do you realize how many of you have ever picked a stone up from the bottom of a muddy river? Anybody ever tried that before? They're not clean. They got mud, and a lot of them have moss all over them. They don't have any daylight to shine on them. They they just collect all of that stuff, and so here they are lugging these muddy moss-ridden stones out of that river and they put it on the bank. But as time begins to wash off all that dirt and mud, you can tell a little bit more the, 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 the shapes and so forth and it has a way of cleaning it up. And you know, some of us, we've been so clean for so long, we've forgotten how terrible it felt when we were lost and how desperate. I remember I was so afraid that if I died, I was going to hell. I prayed every night, God, please don't come tonight. I'm not ready. Am I the only one that's prayed that prayer before? But then the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost and he, he gave me meaning in my life. And now that's been so many years ago, it's almost hard to remember when it happened. And if you're not careful because it's so, oh, you don't, they don't want to hear that. That's just, that's, that's an old story. They do need to hear it. We do need to hear it because that's what gives significance to this moment. You see, the only way they're going to know that they can get through and the only way they're going to know they can overcome is if we remind them that we overcame. You just don't know where God brought me from. Are there any sinners, former sinners in the house? Is there anybody here today that didn't know where you were going? You didn't know what you were doing except for the grace of God? <laughs> Come on. Don't let the world silence your voice. Don't let the world silence your testimony. Some of you have been through broken marriages and you're still standing. You ought to be on your feet right now and testify that God can keep you even through a hell like that. Some of you have been through physical problems in your life that should have been debilitating, but you're up on your feet today. Why? Because I have a witness. I have a testimony to share with my world. That man right there can tell you a little bit about it. Yeah, go, come on, stand. I'm through. I'm, I'm, I really am through. You see, the menace of our world's spiritual life and spiritual health 
is a dying faith on our part. Did you hear me? The menace to our world is not AOC or the mob. Or maybe she's your favorite politician. I don't know. I'm sorry. If I offended you, please forgive me. Socialism, maybe you're a Bernie Sanders fan. I don't know. I'm going to rub somebody the wrong way before I get through today. (laughs) Yeah. The greatest threat to the world is not the agenda of that progressive movement. The greatest threat to the world is if this voice is ever silenced. If this voice ever goes quiet. If this voice is ever intimidated into submission. That's the greatest threat to our world. Is that you would fail to tell somebody, hey, did you know where God brought me from? Do you know what God forgave me of? Oh, I don't have time to do this. You don't have time for me to do this. I should say, you're wanting to go on. It's all right. It's a faith. The greatest danger to our world right now is a faith that is lethargic and languid and uncommitted. That's the greatest danger. When faith is cold and lifeless. When we do not seem to mean very much by our profession. When we give the impression it really doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't matter. When we are unable to give a clear answer for the hope that is within us. What do we mean by all of this? Ask you a question. Is this a playhouse or a praying house? Listen to me. The only way it will not become a theater and a performance and a stage You know, when we were doing our plan, the city called us. I said, no, this isn't a stage. We don't perform. We preach. We sing. This is a platform. I don't want this to be a stage. But if church ever becomes that, and that's what you want, I want church a little more structured. You know, I I like it when we get out right at 12 o'clock, and it's already 12. you, You haven't even shut up yet. I like it when we can just come in here and do our little kumbaya, kumbaya, come by here, Lord, and not get too radical and not get too excited. I like it when we can do it, and then we can just go on to Luby's. We can go on to whatever. We can go get a Whataburger. He is not dead. And the only way the world is going to know that is if he stays alive in us. 
And he must never, it must never become languid in us. It must never become a point that doesn't matter. It must always matter what goes on in this. This isn't a stage. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of praise. It's not a platform to, for, for us demonstrating our abilities. It's a place where God can demonstrate his power. Come on, lift up your voice and give him praise right now. Come on, somebody, lift up your voice and give him praise right now. The great detriment to our world is an anemic walk. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I will not let anything silence. Glory shines upon 